Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are back with Derek Reifer of the Strickland and Corner 3 Sports. Also runs a great page called RJ Barrett Stats on Twitter. And we are finishing up our discussion about RJ Barrett. The first episode, it was starting to run a little long, so we decided to split it into two parts because there was so much great discussion going on in these two episodes. Gavin, what do we talk about in this second part? Yeah, so we get into the specific areas that we'd most like to see a jump from RJ, whether it's his defense or his playmaking. And then finally, we bounce around the entire NBA to similarly talented players to RJ and play a game of would you rather RJ or the other guy, whether it's Anthony Edwards, DeAndre Hunter. Uh, There's even even some John Morant slander at the end, but I don't want to spoil too much. We'll get into it all right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of the Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play announcer's favorite play-by-play announcer. And we're joined once again, as we said, by Derek Reifer of the Strickland and of Corner 3 Sports and the person who runs the RJ Barrett Sats account on Twitter. So, you know, there's some great RJ discussion. We already had a part one. So if you didn't listen to that, be sure to click back one episode and check that out first. And this is part two of our discussion about R.J. Barrett's 2021-22 to 22 season preview. So I won't hold this up any further. Let's get into finishing up with Derek. Yeah, Derek, I, I think to your point, I, his playmaking is is maybe the area I'm most fascinated to see this year because he came in um, into the draft with a reputation as a plus playmaker. And his rookie season, and frankly, I mean, I, I, w- I would say last year as well, were, were very much up and down in that respect. Like we saw games, like I, I remember um, early on in his second season, like those two games against the Pacers, we saw real flashes of, of pick and roll craft and like hook passes across the court, like on a dime at full speed and, and, and little moments that made you go like, Oh wow. Like I obviously he's, he's, he's not LeBron or Luca, but these are the types of passes that LeBron or Luca make consistently that very, very few players in the NBA can make consistently. But that that's sort of just the word with RJ is passing. It, it was that consistency and it wasn't there on a game to game basis. And for my money, it was, it was mostly about his role on the team, right? And that Julius was just so dominant in that respect that um, uh, for uh, some godforsaken reason, Alfred Payton <laughs> had a lot of time on the ball last year. And it wasn't so much that there were a lot of mouths to feed, but it was more so that those mouths, like when they weren't being fed and RJ was the guy on the ball, weren't very productive to generating assist numbers for RJ just just from the lack of shooting that you had with guys like Alfred Payton playing significant minutes and never having a scenario where you were playing five out. And and the latter thing won't change this year, but the former will. You're going to have Kemba Walker in there, one of the better shooting point guards in the NBA. You're going to have Evan Fournier, one of the best shooters in the world, period. 
Julius Randle, who will presumably be able to play off the ball a little bit more. This is sort of the season for R.J. Barrett, I think, to prove himself as a playmaker. And I know in, in some to some extent, that's a little bit of a contradiction to what we were previously saying, that there, there's a world where he's the fourth option and he's spending less time on the ball. But I think the times he does get on the ball, whether that is in a higher volume than last year or is a similar volume than last year, should be more efficient. And there's less of a built-in excuse for him, it, whether or not it's piling up numbers as in terms of pure assists or in terms of like hockey assists or, or just looking at advanced metrics. Because you can go to a site like um, like Crafted NBA is one I like to use a lot. And, and they had RJ in the 44th percentile as a passer for his position, which obviously isn't bad. And for a young player is, is probably quite good, but not necessarily who I expected him to be coming out of Duke. And, and obviously a lot of that as well is advantage creation. And last year we saw he, he got really good at creating room by snaking the pick and roll. Can he do it more and more in one-on-one situations? He's very good at getting all the way to the rim, but I think part of his inefficiency at the basket uh, on top of lack of touch is that he, uh, again, relative to other players who get a high volume of, of at the rim attempts, he had a little bit of trouble like completely shaking his defender, right? Like like outside of transition, there weren't a lot of like pure blow buys in the half court. And, and not that a ton of players get those, but if you're looking at RJ as like this elite at the rim guy, it, it's someone who can beat his initial defender cleanly and draw help and then either like beat that help to the basket or what we're talking about now, like make that next pass and, and, and set off a sequence that creates an easy bucket. There were moments from RJ last year, but that certainly wasn't who he was as a player consistently. So when we're talking about like what separates, and I mean, Derek, this is literally what you just said, but like what separates RJ from being an all-star versus merely like a very, very high level role player, which, which could still be valuable even, even on a really expensive contract. I think it is ultimately like how good is he at beating his initial defender and what kind of reads can he make once he gets a defense in motion. But, but Derek, I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I think that was sort of the path you were, you were going along anyways. I don't think it was a contradiction. Uh, I think even if he does get fewer aggregate option or fewer aggregate times on the ball and, and a lower overall usage, he still can kind of back to the previous point, have a higher diversity of what he's doing with those attempts and what he's doing with that usage. So, you know, maybe he's not getting the ball as much for spot up threes in the corner, but maybe it's more attacking the closeout. Maybe it's more doing a step back. Maybe it's more, you know, running a pick and roll and finding other guys. There's more stuff he can do to kind of expand that toolbox, even if he's not getting as many options. And you talked a little bit about the uh, expansion of his playmaking this year and how some of the new personnel on the court with him might help that. I mean, obviously, I completely agree. Walker, Fournier, these guys are really going to help. But one of the most and, and a lot of people have brought up those guys, too, in terms of RJ this season. But one of the most underrated additions to the team this year, not really an addition, but Mitchell Robinson offensively. Uh, I think Mitchell Robinson's lob threat and his vertical gravity there. A, we've already seen to your to your earlier point, we've seen some uh, we've seen him working well with RJ there uh, in terms of those lob plays, but that really helps. I mean, just slotting him in for Nerlens Noel, who last season by most metrics and by the eye test graded out as one of the worst offensive centers or one of the worst offensive overall players in basketball. You know, even if he's not necessarily going to be spacing the floor, Mitch is a far better offensive player and complementary player to RJ. So there are going to be from, from our perspective, our waypoint right now, a lot better talent at just about every offensive position around him. How he can use that to both create for himself and others is going to be really key, even if he's getting fewer overall opportunities. 
so that brings me i think i think we've we've sort of hinted this whole show at what we think uh rj needs to work on and so i think that kind of leads me to that very question here um the the way that i wrote this out is what is the top skill that you're hoping to see on display from rj that is not shooting related because i'm i'm leaving out pull-up shooting and you know uh step back shooting all the all that stuff because i think that we could all pretty much universally agree that that's like a mega game changer for him if he adds that to his arsenal and and potentially starts putting him in that like star conversation uh i'm gonna go first just because i don't i hate when i defer and then my thing potentially gets taken though i, I don't know i feel like my my choice is slightly out of the box here so maybe neither of you guys would be thinking this anyway. But my thing for RJ, we've talked about finishing. My main thing for him, he needs to learn <laughs> and he needs to take some lessons from, I mean, even even some guys on his own team, especially the guy that the Knicks got eliminated from the playoffs by. RJ needs to learn to sell contact better. I think that's a big part of why he doesn't get as many free throw attempts as he probably should, given the amount that he gets to the rim. And probably why his finishing is low is because I think that he's he's obviously very strong. I, I think that he can honestly, he can body most players from one to four in the NBA. Like, I've seen power forwards take a shoulder from RJ and fly back a foot. Um, it's just, he's just a very powerful dude. Like, he's he's well built all up and down. You know, he has good, like equal strength throughout his whole body. He's not super top heavy like OB or something like that, where he struggles creating space. I mean, he just, he's really solidly built and that allows him to get inside and absorb contact pretty well. The problem is, is that he absorbs it so well that he's always trying to get a clean shot off. And in the process, because he's able to take that contact so well, he doesn't get a lot of foul calls because refs, I think are so like, accustomed to looking for the flop or the flail or the, you know, the, ah, and, you know, a guy like throwing his arms up in the air, you know, making lots of noise and, and, you know, gesticulating a lot that when they see a guy like RJ Barrett go to the basket and get hacked, but not be demonstrative about it, they, you know, depending on the angle that they have or whatever, they might say, oh, well, it looked like he got that off clean enough. I don't think that, you know, he really got smacked or anything. But when in reality, I mean, when you watch replays, I think RJ consistently, you know, over his first two years, I, probably if you go back and review film and say like, you know, like if, if the NBA refs association or whatever it is that that does that runs that Twitter account and whatever, if they were going to do that for, you know, a bunch of NBA players and like audit how they how they were called versus how many times they were actually fouled or not fouled, I think you would come to the conclusion that RJ was fouled a ton compared to how many were called uh, because he just consistently is absorbing tons of contact around the rim and not getting anything to show for it. So that's, that's my main thing for him. You know, as much as it's not a part of the game that I like to celebrate, um, I think that he really needs to take some notes, even from like a guy on his own team, like quickly on how to take, take the initial contact and then sell it you know, make it, make it look like you got hit, you know, because you did, you don't, don't be a, you know, don't be a tough guy and, and power through it. Look like you got hit and that'll help your case as far as getting more free throws. 
It'll help you with finishing because once guys realize that they can't hack you around the rim, then you'll get guys being more cautious guarding you, uh, much like they would say like a Trey Young, where you see so many times where Trey gets kind of close to the hoop and guys sometimes will go as far as to almost put their hands behind their back just to prove that they're not touching him uh, and let him flail and get his attempt up and whatever. So you'll start running into those sort of situations eventually. So that's my advice and big thing for RJ that I'm looking for in his third season. Derek, I'll throw it to you, and then and then Gavin, you can take that that category home. But uh, Derek, what's your thing that you're looking for for RJ to improve upon this year? All right, guys, it's about that time. Let's take our first break and tell you about one of our all-time favorite sponsors in Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts in Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was completely broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponents' defensive rankings, pace of play, and more. All that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. And today's episode is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible device is required. Content varies by package. Yeah, I think yours was a good out-of-the-box one. That's actually one of the things, one of the very few things that he wasn't really able to improve on last season. If you actually take a look at his foul drawing rate on both isolations and on drives, his foul drawing rate was lower his sophomore season than his rookie season and really pretty middling overall. Obviously, he drew a ton of fouls actually near the tops of the league just because how many times he was driving per game. But in terms of how many times he's actually getting fouled when he drives, wasn't great. In terms of the contact finishing, Really poor, actually, both seasons. His contact finishing was at around 21.5% his rookie year. That was 21.8% his sophomore year. So pretty much the same, very low, that actually grazed in the 36th percentile per b-ball index. So I think those are two kind of top-of-the-mind ones that ideally, with more talent around him, he can start to build on that. Obviously, a lot of that comes from technical skill as well, but hopefully some of the contextual stuff will help there. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for, though, is probably going to be on the defensive end. You know, we talked a lot about the 
types of personnel that have come in this offseason that can really open things up for a guy like him offensively. Really kind of the opposite perspective from the defensive side of the floor, right? As much as you might dislike Alfred Payton, he wasn't a horrible defensive player, right? And on paper, it doesn't seem like it's going to be an upgrade defensively to go to Kemba Walker. I, I think that's a pretty fair statement there. And in terms of the Fournier swap for Reggie Bullock, it seems pretty clear that Reggie was the guy getting that top defensive assignment night in and night out. That's really not the type of role that you would expect Evan Fournier to come in and play based on his resume. So I think that's going to be a really big thing for RJ to focus on this season is, hey, he might actually be that guy to get that number one assignment every night. And, you know, defense isn't all just locking down the number one option. There's a lot of team defense that goes on, and RJ has shown the ability to do that at a very strong level. But I think his defensive responsibility is really going to grow quite a bit this season, and it's going to be maybe the biggest thing I'm I'm going to be looking out for in terms of his long-term potential. Yeah, I think, Derek, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the, the responsibility is just going to be at a at a sky-high level. And in, to some extent, I mean, that's sort of the quality that's going to define the Knicks' entire season, right? I think everyone who is projecting a clear leap for the Knicks, which I don't know if that's necessarily happening nationally, but I think that optimism is certainly present amongst all of us and like and like people who like cover the Knicks in a similar capacity to all of us. Um, I think the the underrated factor is like they're not going to be that much better if their offense improves to the same extent that their defense falls off. And it, I think that's it's ultimately on like just how dominant can Mitchell Robinson be um, and to some extent the scheme because I, I do think the Knicks individual defenders were like I don't want to say playing over their heads because of the scheme but I, I would say the Knicks' defensive ranking was, if anything, a little bit better than their talent last year. Like, sure, Alfred Payton is better than Kemba Walker, but he wasn't really consistently engaged game in and game out, play in and play out last season. Reggie Bullock is good, but it's not like they're losing Kawhi Leonard in that spot. So I, I think that is why, on the whole, I'm optimistic. But if you look at R.J. Barrett and you, you look at like different metrics, like some like ESPN had him, I think, third in, in, in defensive plus minus. That... Um, site I, I previously referenced, Crafted NBA, had him as like a slightly below average defender for the position. You, you watch the tape, you, you watch him on a night side basis. I would say the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like I remember the the game where the Clippers came to New York. I think it was just after the All-Star break. And and then and RJ played, I thought, extremely well on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi was still scoring a whole lot, but RJ made it about as difficult as it could possibly be against him. I think if you get that kind of effort and focus every single night. And as we keep noting, with, with like the load that he's going to have offensively being relatively low compared to his skill set and, and physical talent, like there's no reason he can't bring that every single night. And I, I just I think it's going to be an absolute necessity. I think expecting him to be as good as Reggie Bullock was last year probably isn't realistic, just because RJ isn't as far along. He's not necessarily as savvy on that end of the floor. It's just because of his age. Like I think he certainly has the basketball IQ to get there, and maybe even a higher ceiling because he's probably even a little bit stronger than Reggie Bullock is, but RJ, I think, will ultimately be like sort of a bellwether for whether the Knicks can come fairly close to replicating their defensive success of last year, and, and it'll also be on guys like Mitchell Robinson to just be a, a real dominant force around the basket and, and make up for some of what you're lacking in the backcourt this year. Um, I will note on that in the floor, this is getting a little off topic, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how the bench does because like the, the bench last year was good, despite, again, having a lot of guys who were nominally, even by like bench standards, like 
average to maybe slightly below average defenders outside of, of course, Nerland's Noel who sort of held that all together. But I, I do think, I think it's an interesting point and I think it's, it's a very relevant one to just how good the Knicks will be next season. But I, I don't know, Alex, did you have anywhere, anywhere else you wanted to go before wrapping this up? I thought maybe we could just play a quick fun game, uh, which is RJ has become sort of this lightning rod uh, amongst <laughs> Knicks fans and other people, as far as wanting to say player X is better than RJ, RJ isn't even that good, this, that, the other. I think that the, uh, I mean, maybe the the hype was at a somewhat high level considering his high school pedigree and whatever coming into the NBA. You know, maybe there were some people that thought that he was going to be still like this number one player, maybe even better than Zion, maybe even better than John Morant, whatever. I, I don't. Think most pe- I think most people tempered their expectations quite a bit. A lot of people, myself and and I know you, Gavin included, were not even completely sold on him coming into the NBA. But it's now sort of taken this other turn where I, I think it's mostly because people don't have anything to complain about with the Knicks anymore. Um, at least not anything that tangible, especially now that even like the biggest problems on the team, like Alfred Payton is gone now. Now there's like nobody to complain about anymore at this point. Uh, for not being good. Now it's sort of taking this other turn where I think other players are constantly being compared to RJ and uh, he's consistently being undervalued at this point. There was, there was some discourse on Twitter the other day, for example, where I saw Tyrese Halliburton is uh, considered better than RJ Barrett by some people. And I would personally vehemently disagree with that, but so I will say disagree, but I will throw it to you, Derek, and then Gavin, feel free to chime in quickly thereafter. We can make this like a pretty rapid fire thing, but would you rather have RJ Barrett or Tyrese Halliburton? Derek, I'll throw it to you first. All right, guys, it's about that time. Let's take our second and final break with Derek before getting into the home stretch of this pod and tell you a little bit about Bilt Bar. You might have heard of them before. Did you know Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. Know what my flavor is? Has to be coconut. I love this stuff. Man, anything coconut, it's for me. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. Check out the macros. There's 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? All you have to do is go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. <laughs> well, hey, to kind of your broader point, I, I think it's just a lot of fun that everyone likes to have. I, it's surprising that RJ is such a lightning rod for both opposing fans and Knicks fans alike. You know, he's not necessarily the kind of guy who should be attacked all the time on social media, right? It's not like he has this very outward personality or like shows people up when he dunks or he posts a lot of dumb crap on the internet. Like he's a pretty quiet and reserved kind of a guy. It's just, it's very funny that he has so many people kind of coming for him seemingly online all the time. 
And also the Knicks fans just kind of viewing him as their guy, right? I, I think all of these different lists that come out, the top 25, under 25, and all this stuff, and all this perceived disrespect, I think that on, every time one of those new lists come out, it only makes the Knicks fans like R.J. Barrett more. So it is kind of all in fun. Uh, and so I really appreciate all that that's gone back and forth. He's been compared to all these all these guys over the years. So, you know, it's, it's nothing new. Uh, I'm glad that we've graduated from the Tyler Hero comparisons to the Tyrese Halliburton comparisons. You know, hopefully at this rate next year, uh, he'll be actually compared to Zion. <laughs> you know, you want to, as long as he's getting compared to better players, better and better players all the time, then I'm going to be happy. Tyrese Halliburton's a very good player. He's an elite shooter, a very good playmaker. I'll still take RJ long term. He's actually younger than Tyrese Halliburton, believe it or not. Yeah, I think I think for the Knicks, I would take RJ. I I would throw out there that for other teams in the league that are closer contention, I think Tyrese is a more ready-made fit. I would argue higher floor, lower ceiling for him. Like such a good playmaker. I think he's going to be a guy in his prime who just is universally considered like in that Draymond category of being one of the smartest players in the league. And I, I was like everyone else, kind of shocked by how good his shooting was. It's still very painful for me that he didn't end up on my Phoenix Suns. But that's neither here nor there for the Knicks. I would I would lean RJ. Um, and in another setting, uh, maybe maybe like Golden State or Brooklyn, I would probably lean Halliburton. But I'll, I'll throw another one at the two of you. Um, who would you take between him and Darius Garland? Because that was actually the guy on draft night that I was pushing for for a while that looked pretty stupid, and it seemed like RJ was pretty clearly the better pick. But then Garland came out and had a, a fantastic season last year, at least offensively, 17.6 assists per game, shot just under 40% from three on really high volume. I, I think I would still lean RJ just because of the defense and it's going to be harder to build around Garland. But I don't know. I think that that quite, I, I'm getting a little bit of retroactive justification for that question. I think that'll be sort of a, maybe not a debate piece. Like, like you could even throw like Deandre Hunter and there's like another guy who was taken just behind the two of them. But I think down the road, that could be a fascinating conversation. Uh, I personally, I would still take RJ over Garland. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely I do think that Garland definitely has something to him. And, you know, we, we've literally seen like even uh, um, a report. I, I forget who had this particular one. It might have even been our locked on co-worker, Evan Damrell, uh, had the report that, it, you know, the Sixers have talked to Cleveland about potential Ben Simmons trades and would only do it if Garland is included. Which of course that would be who they would want to get because uh, currently Ben Simmons trade value is in the dumpster and they have to try to make a hardline stance on some guys. Uh, I I still think I would take RJ Barrett just because I think that the size of RJ and the defensive ability gives him a much higher ceiling because I think that we've seen already that RJ can shoot and RJ can credibly handle the ball. Uh, the question of if he's going to become like a like a high level playmaker is is a different one, but you know I, I think that we've seen that he can definitely do some things with the ball in his hand. He's shown flashes of potentially being able to turn into a three level scorer, and that combined with his size, his defensive versatility, everything else, I think that I'm going RJ over Garland pretty much every time. But where do you stand with that, Derek? Yeah, I have I have no issues going RJ over Garland. I think. He's pretty much been better than Garland um, throughout his time in the league. I don't think there's really ever been a point where Garland is 
better at that point. He's slightly younger than Garland. It's pretty similar. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you that Garland's size severely limits his ceiling unless he becomes really a super, super explosive elite type of an offensive talent, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. I just think it's more likely there for RJ. I think an interesting, another one that came up was DeAndre Hunter, who, you know, Knicks fans, turn turn off your turn off your brains when I say this. I think DeAndre Hunter might be a better player than RJ right now. Actually, I think in the playoffs, he looked like a clearly better player in the playoff series, really contributing on both ends. Uh, but hey, this is a guy who's three full years older than RJ Barrett, or uh, yeah, two and a half years older than RJ Barrett. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily about right now with some of these draft picks. You know, it's, it's about what is their long-term potential. So I, I don't really have any issues with taking RJ over either of those guys. Didn't at the time, didn't now. Hey, it's a confirmation bias you know i don't think so you can be the judge yeah here's okay so here's another one this is another interesting one uh, well actually i'll answer the hunter one first i guess and then and then i'll get to the other one that i thought of i i think i would still probably go with rj over hunter for the reason that you said of the age difference and that was probably the biggest difference with like draft night too you know is i think that people viewed hunter as more of a finished product because he's he was an older player coming into the draft. Now there have been mistakes made about guys like that in the past. Um, I don't. I actually don't remember if they played together. But his fellow Virginia mate uh, Malcolm Brogdon uh, obviously blew that out of the water because he's come into the NBA and I think that he's pretty much gotten better every single year and has continued to show growth into his now like mid to late twenties, uh, despite coming into the NBA is like a 23 year old rookie. I think he might've even been pushing 24. I mean, he was, he was an old rookie. Uh, Brogdon was. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it, it's led to some important like context in recent years, you know, where this idea that guys are done growing in their early twenties, you know, as a player or, or could be, be anything close to a finished product coming out of college necessarily if they've still shown improvement in college i think that's kind of been blown out of the water recently and people were kind of realizing that guys develop at different rates that said i would still take those few extra years of development because i don't think that the gap is so severe between rj and hunter right now that i would i would consider taking hunter over him and you know the the extra two three years of age but gavin where do you stand with hunter and then then i've got another one that that we've debated on this show before but not in a few months, at least. Yeah, you you can go right ahead, Alex. I'm on, I'm on the exact same page. I think Hunter clearly better right now. I would I would take Archie's upside. So my my one, and maybe this could be our last one, unless we think of something else. Uh, this one is one that we brought up prior to the draft last year, and was a hot debate between I think particularly you and I, Gavin, and we talked about it with a couple of couple of guests as well. But where do you stand on would you take? RJ Barrett or Anthony Edwards, who's obviously the number one pick last year, had his own great flashes this past year. Um, I'll throw it to you first, Derek, because I, I think frequent listeners of the show have heard mine and Gavin's opinions on this, but we'll give our fresh takes on it to end here. But uh, where where do you stand? Would you take RJ Barrett or Anthony Edwards right now? Uh, if we're talking long-term potential here, I think it's totally fair to go with Anthony Edwards. Uh, I actually might myself. Would I like trade RJ Barrett for Anthony Edwards right now? I don't know. I mean, RJ is such a likable player. He's actually on a smaller contract than Edwards, at least for now, because he was a lower draft pick. 
uh, which you know might be relevant in terms of the points per game and all that stuff. Uh, Edwards seems like he's going to be getting there a lot faster. There are questions about what else he's going to be able to do long term. You know, maybe. Edwards projects more as kind of a floor raising type of player if he's not going to provide as good of that spacing and that defense and secondary playmaking potentially as RJ could. Uh, RJ might be more of like that secondary type of a guy. I don't know. I think I do like Anthony Edwards' long term potential. Uh, so I don't want to get I don't want to get taken out behind the shed for saying this, but I think I would take Edwards long term, but it's pretty slim uh, between the two. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I, I don't think it's that close. I think I'd, I'd pretty clearly take Edwards. Like, yeah, I don't. I, I, I hear Derek's point that RJ does a lot of stuff right now that works on a winning team, and Edwards doesn't have a lot of that stuff in his game. But I, I just think that guy is in, in a different stratosphere talent-wise. Like, I, I think um, beyond all the depth in last season's draft that at the time wasn't considered a very good one, between him and LaMelo, I think it's going to go down as, if not a historically good draft, maybe just a notch below that. I, I think we're talking about a guy who makes, like, double-digit all-star teams, probable Hall of Famer, like, and, and to, to Derek's point, like, he has to do a lot to round out his game to get there, but he's such a talent that, and, like, the the volume that he was scoring on like and and with pretty decent efficiency over the second half of last year without a whole lot of help in Minnesota like I don't know I just I wouldn't bet against that guy I'm really excited about RJ I'm I'm super optimistic about his future but Edwards is in a in a different class to me I think I agree that the raw talent I think Edwards has more of I think that RJ has done more so far to actualize his talent so I think that I'm going to have to see how Edwards does this year. And, and yeah, RJ's would... had a, RJ has had a second season. He's had a great second season. I don't yeah. think it would be controversial to say Anthony Edwards had a far better rookie season than no, RJ. Not did. At all. So if we're going just based off that. It would be pretty clear to Edwards. The reason RJ closes the gap is because of the sophomore year. So it's more of a wait and see approach. We already talked about how this development can be completely nonlinear. So it should really be a wait and see approach for all these guys, as much fun as it is to talk about it. But I think based on what we know right now, it's a slim lead for Edwards. I, I think I would probably give it to Edwards at the moment too. And I think that I had staunchly argued in RJ's favor prior to the season, which was probably, or like in the preseason or something early last season, maybe, which was uh, probably the, the last time that we really talked about this at this point, I would probably give Edwards the edge. And, you know, of course there was a reason that he was the number one overall pick, even if it was ultimately the wrong pick and it should have been LaMelo. Um, last one, which we can just laugh off and then we're done. Tyler hero, <laughs> because that was, that was the big debate last year when the heat were in the bubble and Tyler hero shot the lights out in an empty gym. Everybody's taking RJ Barrett over Tyler hero now, right? Yeah, def- definitely RJ, though. I do, I do think Tyler Hero has a bounce back year. I think even if Tyler Hero has a, I think if Tyler Hero has a bounce back year, he's still not he's still not going to project as, as well as RJ for me, assuming RJ doesn't just completely regress in every possible way next season. I don't think it's pretty close. I'll leave you guys on a hot take. Keep your eyes on for this season. John Morant, let's see what happens. Let's oh, see what happens. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might. I think I'm. I would go Edwards over John Moran. So I, would uh, I think John Moran is one of those guys who's been. I don't. I. I. I don't want to use the word overrated. I think my opinion of him is 
lower than I think what many in the NBA sphere seem to say. I think that ESPN just put out their list. Actually, forgive me, it might have been ESPN or SI. They both published a top 100 list recently. They had John Morant in the top 30 players in the NBA, which is right now, which is completely absurd to me. RJ didn't even make the top 100 in either of those lists. Uh, all I'm saying is just keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Got to start seeing some more shooting out of John Morant soon if uh, if he's going to be considered a top 30 player in the NBA. And I should note above Julius Randle, I think, on both of those lists, which is equally absurd. Uh, at any rate, I think this is a good point to wrap up on. So, Derek, uh, before we sign off here, do you want to just remind everybody where to find you? Your numerous Twitter handles. You can include all of them if you want, the Mets one, all that good stuff, because you've got like so many places where you put out really cool stats and all that uh, before we let you go from this episode. appreciate that. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. I will talk RJ Barrett with anyone, anytime, but I thought this was a particularly enlightening conversation, so really appreciate it. Uh, love to be back whenever. I think you guys can find me if you liked what you heard. You can find me, as Alex mentioned, on numerous different Twitter accounts. My personal account is at D underscore Rife. You may have seen me there. You may have seen at RJ Barrett Stats. Uh, my personal blog is at Corner 3 Sports, where I like to post a lot of sports visualizations. I also have a Mets-specific account, as Alex touched on. If you're really into the Mets, follow me at Mets Analytics, and we can be very sad together, but maybe get hype about Javier Baez every once in a while. Uh, so I hope to see you guys around there. As always, follow at the Strickland. Uh, you know, maybe you'll even see me tweeting there a couple times this season. I think I was on there a couple times last year, but best Knicks blog in the business and no short thanks to Alex for all of that. So uh, I want to thank you guys again and hopefully we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks so much, Derek. And ab so freaking lootly. We will definitely be talking again soon. Hopefully we'll bring you on uh, throughout the season, maybe for some more check-ins on RJ Barrett. And maybe some check-ins on John Morant, too. We'll we'll keep checking in on that hot take of yours. Keep me honest. Keep me honest. Yeah. Thanks so much, Derek. And talk to you soon, man. Cheers, guys.